after work that night, I went to the movies downtown. Um, and I remember it distinctly because it was the 007 marathon, one of my favorite movies or one of my favorite series. So in the middle of it, my phone starts blowing up and I was very upset because you're interrupting my movie. Something, something better be important. And, and I remember looking back and thinking in the pit of my stomach, like this is, this is big. Welcome to the Prepared X Podcast, your complete source for crisis, emergency, business continuity and security preparedness interviews, news, and much more. Now, your host, he creates chaos for a living, Rob Burton. That was a short outtake with my interview with Nick LaGrasa, who was a senior emergency management specialist during the Dallas police sniper shootings back in 2016. Um, In this um, uh, interview with Nick, uh, which is our 67th podcast here at uh, PreparedX, Nick provides a great insight into how an emergency management organization functions during a fast-moving and dynamic event. This was a tragic event uh, that you'll hear about in this episode. Here's my interview with Nick. Well, good morning, Nick. How are you doing today? Doing well, sir. How about yourself? I'm very well, thank you. A um, little chilly here in the Northeast. Um, hope it's warmer where you are. It's pretty rainy today, actually. Yeah, yeah. Pretty seasonal, I guess, for uh, you know January yeah. January 10th. Um, uh, Nick, before we get started with today's podcast, uh, for our audience, could you just give a little introduction of yourself and your career to date, please? My name is Nick Grassa, and I am a professional emergency manager based in Dallas-Fort Worth, Texas. Um, I have done a little bit of everything in emergency management. I've worked at the regional level, the city level, the university level. And spent some time in the private sector. Uh, I graduated from the University of North Texas in 2012 with a degree in emergency management, minors in sociology and health promotion. My primary focus of work is uh, mitigation and recovery following natural disasters. But as I said, I've done a little bit of everything. Um, Preparedness, response, um, planning to uh, writing thyras, working on thyras, mitigation plans, emergency operations plans. I've uh, had had a great opportunity to do everything here in uh, DFW. That's great. Um, tremendous amount of experience then uh, in uh, what um, is still um, an ongoing career. So congrats um, on that. I know today, Nick, we are going to be talking about um, the Dallas uh, police sniper attack in 2016. Uh, so for our audience, uh, you know, could you just give a synopsis um, of that for those that uh, may not be familiar with it? July 7th, uh, 2016, an individual um, disguised himself within a Black Lives Matter protest in the city of Dallas um, and used that as an opportunity to um, single out police officers and ultimately killed five police officers, four from Dallas Police Department, one from Dallas Area Rapid Transit Police Department. Uh, ultimately, he was, um, he was killed after a several-hour standoff. And um, we spent the next seven days working with um, federal, state, and local officials to uh, clean up the mess. 
Yeah, pretty uh, tragic event for obviously the city and, and those uh, families and um, other um, individuals involved. So I know there's uh, a number of other um, injured as well through through the um, through the event. So can you can you from your perspective, um, f you know, what was your day like that morning um, as you or in the days leading up to it? I'm sure there was preparedness in terms of you know getting ready for the event, um, and then those initial moments uh, when you found out there was an active situation on that day. So. I'll take you through through the whole day, starting that afternoon. We got notification um, in the middle of the afternoon that there would be a Black Lives Matter protest. We ultimately decided against. Um, actually, can we? Uh, so with with the city of Dallas, I was the senior emergency manager specialist for mitigation and recovery. Okay. But also, I was a duty officer. Um, so that meant that I once a week or uh, every or a week at a time, and there was eight of us, so we rotate out once every two months. Uh, I was 24 hours on um, for for seven days. This week I wasn't a duty officer, but I still had EOC privileges. Um, I asked if there was anything we needed to do for the protest. Usually, if we've got an event, we're just monitoring it from from the bunker, so to speak. Um, but but nobody thought it was going to be a big deal. So that night, I or after work that night, I went to the movies downtown. Um, and I remember it distinctly because it was the 007 Marathon, one of my favorite movies, or one of my favorite series. So in the middle of it, my phone starts blowing up. And I was very upset because you're interrupting my movie. Something uh, something better right. be important. Right. And And... I remember looking back and thinking in the pit of my stomach, like, this is, this is big. Uh, so I leave the theater when it's over and management of the theater is directing people away from downtown. They're like, Oh, there's a riot. Oh, there's a riot. I'm like I better look at my phone. And, and sure enough, we've got 50 different reports saying um, active shooter, active shooters, riot, um, police officers killed, all the, all these conflicting reports just piling on top of each other. And since I was already downtown, I was like, I'll go in and um, go from there. So I go through, I drive over to, to City Hall into the secure area, pass through two checkpoints, which I had never seen done before, and um, get into the office. And I'm the second person there um, within our Office of Emergency Management, our first being uh, the director, uh, Rocky Boss, who had still been there uh, working. Uh, so I get in, we start looking at the news reports. We've got four TVs lined up with um, each on a different local news station, and I start getting to work. I work on the situation reports, and then I work on the uh, next eight-hour plan and working with a, a lieutenant uh, at the police department. We start sitting down and we say, okay, um, we're probably going to go at this for a while. What do we do? What do we need to do in the next operational period? What do we need right. to do? Uh, who's coming in? Who's going out? Who's going to be in charge? Things of that nature. Yeah, so getting, so or, getting, that. getting organized then, right? Getting yourselves organized. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We were, we were ready to, to go at this for as long as it would take. Um, around 10 or so, uh, Chief Brown comes down. And, and says, um, we've got him cornered. 
we're going to blow them away. And I remember thinking, oh, they're going to use the 50 cal because or I'm, a, I'm a big gun guy. So I like um, I like when the big guns come out and I see um, get to see, get to see them work. And turns out uh, they did not. They ended up uh, using a pound of uh, C4 explosive um, on a bomb robot to remove him from his position, for lack of a better term. And um, he was killed instantly, thus ending uh, the standoff. Nevertheless, we still had federal, state, and local agencies on scene. And for the next seven days, we rotated 20, or 12 hours on, 12 hours off um, throughout the week, uh, monitoring the situation. I worked nights. I was the EOC manager from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. and uh, worked alongside uh, fire department, uh, police department, FBI, and ATF as we monitored the situation, kept everybody safe, kept a, kept a lookout. Um, a lot of people don't know is there was a three block radius that was blocked off from, from anybody coming in or in or out during those seven days. So a lot of times we had to monitor the perimeter. We worked with uh, Texas state troopers, rotating people in and out, um, making sure uh, that they were, that they were hydrated. It was, um, it was, hundred degrees uh, at some points. Mm-hmm. And so we, ma- we made, we made sure that, that everybody was well taken care of for those seven days while everybody needed to do what they had to do. Sure. So it must've been an impact on, uh, on businesses then if there was a three block radius there um, during that seven day period on some businesses anyway. Yeah. Um, the, where he had barricaded himself was El Centro college, which is a uh, community college based in downtown. They had to cancel classes for the, for the entire week. Uh, there were lots of parking lots in that area, mm-hmm. and nobody could come get their cars. Nobody could leave there, or everybody who's had their car had it had to be there for the whole week. Um, any business that was in that area was uh, kindly requested to uh, cease operations for the week. We we couldn't necessarily tell them to shut down, but we hinted that it would be in everybody's best interest if they did, um, and and. You know, there was a dark, or it was a, a train stop right there. So every time we had to send the train on through, hmm. um, each time couldn't stop there. It, it was a, it was a bit of a disruption for for the week, but but things got back to normal after uh, after everything settled down. Sure, sure. So since the uh, since the attack, then I'm sure there's been several, <clears throat> many different reviews and reports um, on the event. Um, maybe they've been done some done uh, internally with your uh, department. There's obviously probably been a lot done by the police uh, as well. Um, but um, you know, based on some of those reports, uh, what are the, some of the main issues that um, you know or challenges that came out? Um, if you could just touch on a number of those, that would be great. Uh, there were a lot of logistic issues, which is what it is we had we were operating out of unified command and we had um fire department working in one location office of emergency management working in one location and uh dpd working in one in one location um there was communication issues everybody was was amped up mm-hmm. um there was uh, a lot of issues with uh with coordinating uh what officers were going where so there was um making sure one, one of the solutions that we came up with was making sure that at that 
the beginning of the operational period, um, cycling everybody off and filling in the holes. And then if there was any other, um, anybody who wanted to stay on, because that's, that's a lot of, uh, um, a lot of things we came back to is officers wanting to stay on after their eight hours, sure. just because they, they wanted to stay, they wanted to work. Um, so making sure that giving them the opportunity to do so without keeping them in their same position for eight plus hours. Right. Um, additionally, when everything kicked off around nine o'clock, um, we had, uh, ATF and FBI, uh, high level tactics, um, their SWAT team, so to speak, uh, in our EOC in uh, level three body armor with, uh, AR 15s and shotguns and immediately thinking they could take over the situation. Um, everything we're taught in emergency management says it's local control at the beginning and it's local control at the end. And we were unwilling to, uh, give up that control because we had the resources to do it ourselves. So it was a matter of, of telling the FBI, uh, thanks, but no thanks. Um, well, well, and, and that wasn't something that they had really come across. Um, and they weren't exactly okay with it. <laughs> so right. moving forward, when I moved to San Antonio and I was the emergency management, officer or emergency management coordinator at Texas A&M University San Antonio, I actually wrote in our emergency operations plan that there is a, a command or there's a, there's a team within the command structure that consists of myself or the, e, the EMC, the assistant chief or police, the police chief, the most senior officer and um, the safety and risk management officer. And those five people have authority to tell any state or federal agency what to do. Right. To alleviate this, this sense that, oh, the feds are here. We're just going to give it, we're going to give it to them. We're going to give it to them. No, we wanted to make sure that, that we, we were going to be the first ones in. we were going to be the last ones out. Right. So we wanted to, to maintain that control at all times. Those are the two things that really crossed my mind as, as the, the primary issues that I have worked in, in my capacity to, to solve as a uh, emergency manager moving forward from the Dallas event. Sure. And so, and so based, on, based on those, um, those issues that were raised, um, has there been, you know, in, in, uh, has there been anything done about that? Do you think the, you know, in, the, in the following years, it seems like it would be an opportunity to obviously work with the different agencies and, and kind of validate some of those challenges with, with the coordination, logistics, the decision-making. Um, was, was that, do you know if that was uh, accomplished or not, or if it's, um, it was intended to at least be, be accomplished in kind of validating uh, and improving on, you know, those, those different issues that were raised? Because it's, it's always about improvement, right? Right, right, and it is. And um, between the, the shooting and then when I left Dallas, um, in March of 2017, um, we hadn't begun following up on that. I know it was on our list of activity, our long-term list of activities sure. to um, continue um, maintaining those relationships and increasing the effectiveness between 
ourselves, our state agencies, our federal agencies, but it, it's something that hadn't been done uh, before I left. Sure, yeah, and certainly, you know, it's not, it's not, it's, it's a big ticket item when you're trying to get, you know, some of, you know, the three letter agencies and um, obviously the, the different, um, you know, departments within, you know, a, a you know, big city like Dallas to, you know, coordinate and, you know, kind of, you know, get together and, and go through the process of kind of ironing out some of those details. So hopefully um, that's been done since you've uh, moved on uh, from there. So um, this has been a you know, fascinating story. Are there, were there any final observations for you personally or from your experience with regards to the, this um, Dallas uh, police shooting? I would say um, listen to people. Um, if you're working in an EOC, it's a very high-pressure environment. You tend to get tunnel vision. Um, take a break, look around, um, take a breath and, and listen to, to anybody who uh, has something important to say, and maybe it can, it can help you clear your head, get back on, uh, get back focused on what, on what you're doing, or, um, just let your mind be at ease for, for a hot second. Yeah, the great advice there. You know, we often see certainly, you know, with with, uh, with our audiences as we run through crisis management simulation exercises. Certainly in the corporate space as well, it's um, you know it can be full on for you know for a period of time. So having that perspective, taking a step back, and and letting you know letting everybody do their jobs, but um, having the you know the thousand foot view, so to speak, um, and, and then getting back into it. So you know, great advice there, Nick. Um, I appreciate that. Um, so you know, this has been a fantastic episode. I'm sure the audience um, um, will really appreciate this one. And if they want to listen, if they want to get out and reach to you, if they want to get a hold of you, how would they contact you, Nick? So I am on LinkedIn. That's where I found you in your podcast. Yep. Um, either that or uh, my email, lagrasa, L-A-G-R-A-S-S-A dot Nicholas, N-I-C-H-O-L-A-S at gmail.com. Send me your email, send me your questions. Um, I love to, to talk about this because uh, it was an extremely important uh, event. Um, being involved with is domestic terrorism, I think, is 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 a uh, is an opportunity for everyone to 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 look and learn at uh, what can be done better uh, next time. And I'm happy to uh, help anybody out as they as they need. That's great, and we'll provide uh, Nick's bio um, at the bottom of the podcast here on uh, on the website. And uh, again, thank you for your time today, Nick. And uh, we'll hopefully be talking again soon. Thanks for having me, sir. Yep, take care. That wraps up episode 67 of our podcast series. I encourage you to please rate us on iTunes or any of the other outlets where you're listening to this podcast. Uh, leave a comment, please. Uh, we'd like that. And if you're listening to this through our website, we'd love to hear from you in the comment section underneath the podcast. Until next time, have a safe and productive day. Thank you. Thank you.